tries to lick the desk. Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our poser extraordinaire, Natai. Are you ready to talk about cat girls and perverts? Oh no, I just want a gotcha. Never mind. <laughs> I, listen, wh- whether it's Monogatari or not, I am always ready to talk about cat girls. <laughs> just ask Finn. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, <laughs> oh man. But yeah. Uh, so you and I have gotten together. We are continuing our uh, our foray into the Monogatari series, our spoiler cast series through Monogatari. Um, and tonight, you and I are going to be talking about Nekomonogatari Black, which, besides mm-hmm. Kiza Monogatari, is the final part of the of Monogatari first season that we will be covering. That's um, right. And eventually, we will be getting back to Kizu. As, as, as I've said before in a previous um, spoiler cast that we did, we've kind of decided to do the uh, broadcast or release schedule for Monogatari, how we're going to go about doing these spoiler casts. But yeah, um, so before we get into second season, we got to talk about Neko Black. A um, couple of things. This to, is an OVA that was released. Yeah, it's an OVA series episodes. that was released. Um, yeah, and it's it's. I won't say it's the shortest story arc in the Monogatari series, but it is the shortest part of the Monogatari series mm. technically. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, unless you count the movies as I mean, three episodes. Tsuki Monogatari is also four episodes, if I remember correctly, actually. Yeah, true, true, but, true. But some of the episodes in Neko are quite long. Like, the final episode is like 30 minutes. Yeah, yes, so yes. they kind of play um, with the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think with an OVA series, it definitely gives you the freedom to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, a, a little bit of, of technical info before we actually get into the story here. Um, I mean, not a whole lot has changed. Still, it's Studio Shaft. Um, we got Chief Direction for Akiki Shimbo. They brought on uh, Tomoyuki Itamura for a lot of the episode direction. Um, character design still by Akio Watanabe. Uh, the music still composed by the GOAT himself, Satoru Kosaki. Mm. Um, this is a four-episode OVA series. All four episodes of this series were released on December 31st, 2012. Um, what else is there? Oh, yes, um, the OP and the ED. So the OP is a song called Perfect Slumbers. It is sung by the voice actor for uh, Subasa Hanakawa, Yui Horie. Maybe and, one of my favorites OPs in show. Yeah, maybe I, it's for up there. both the for both the OP and the ED for this part. The ED, by the way, is called Kiryu or Vanishing Daydream uh, by Marina Kawano. Um, for both the OP and the ED for Neko Black, I I think they're both underrated. I I think a lot of people tend to forget about them, but I like them both a lot. I I, I specifically love the yeah. I love the visuals of the OP perfect slumbers i think it might have some foreshadowing for the next section of the story which is interesting but a, we'll a get there bit. when we get there uh, it, it's also it's funny cool that OP. um in in the op you actually see hanakawa carrying a guitar and that's something mm-hmm. that uh with the music of this uh this particular part there's a lot of guitar pieces uh specifically right. um acoustic guitar um, mm-hmm. I think some people might be confused about that because it's never really shown or talked about in the anime adaptation, but in the light novel adaptation, it's mentioned a couple of times that Hanakawa can actually play the guitar. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So this song could totally be like a song Hanukkah would be singing to I, herself or whatever. I, exactly. <laughs> Alone in a room. Oh, wait, she doesn't have a room. Never mind. Uh, well, we'll get her. to that. <laughs> but no, I, I, I've always, I've always, since I've read the, um, the light novels, I, I find that little detail in the OP to be kind of nice, even though it's never mm. really talked about or shown or mentioned in the, uh, in the anime adaptation. Also, like the final shot of the OP, like one before the final shot, actually, of Aragi kneeling before Hanukkah in, in a field of flowers. Now, I don't, haven't checked what type of flowers it is. I'm sure it's like symbolic for like whatever, or maybe something, but it's it's just a really cool shot. Very mel- melancholy. Mm. Very mel- melancholic. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, so the, the let's get into the actual story of this. Um, this is going to be pretty short compared to the rest of our spoiler cast i think maybe until we get mm-hmm. to um monogatari which again is only four episodes um but the entirety of this part of the monogatari series is comprised of a single story arc called subasa family um as the name would imply uh subasa hanakawa is pretty much what this is about um, and this is one of two parts of the Monogatari series that take place prior to the events of Baki Monogatari, the other one being Kizu Monogatari. Yeah. Um, so now the events-, the events of this story arc, we did talk, we did talk about, and we saw a bit of it back in Bake, but that mm. was very much the gist of it. So this is like yeah. an expansion on that part of the story. Yeah, it's it's very much alluded to in the final story arc of um, Bakemonogatari, especially when you meet Black Hanakawa, um, and um, yeah, you you see some flashes from it, but aside from being talked about, you never really see a whole bunch from it. Um, so this is actually the events that they talk about, you know, when uh, Black Hanakawa appears, for lack of a better word. Um, these are the events that they're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So this actually takes place during Golden Week, uh, the events before Bakke Golden Week. Yeah, Golden Week. Um, this is also, I, I kind of wanted to point this out. This is the first story arc that we've covered thus far uh, in which absolutely zero new characters are introduced. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I, this is this is the first first Monogatari story arc where zero new characters are introduced or even mentioned. Um, it comes back to somewhat of an issue that some people, myself included, might have with this section of the story. That it's kind of a rehash. Uh, we'll mm. talk about this more as we continue this discussion. But um, yeah, just as you said, no new characters. This is an event that we know of. We just are getting more info about what happened exactly and motivations yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, episode one of this uh, part starts out really, well, very Monogatari-esque, shall we say. Um, the, uh, a large chunk of this episode is dedicated to a conversation that Aradagi is having with uh, both his younger sister, Sukihi, and his older little sister, uh, Karen, um, about what exactly constitutes being in love. Now, I want to say, first and foremost, I love these two dialogues. <laughs> They're so good. There's, because it just shows so much information about the sisters and how Aragi views them. Like One very small detail I love is how uh, when he asks both of them, he uh, they mention each of them has a boyfriend, and they mention that. 
Yeah. Now, a very small detail I didn't know of till recently is apparently the name of the boyfriends are, like, the same, just a mirror of each other. So yes. it's very much implied that, like, Aragi is, like, willingly trying to not think of their boyfriend's existence or something like that because he's such a dumbass, uh, <laughs> which is great. I fucking love that detail. Yeah, it's it is so that, that's a, that's a great small detail. Yeah, that if you if you do pay attention, that their the boyfriend's names are actually mirrors of each other, and it's like, boy, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, but yeah, and just like we talked last time, uh, when um, uh, Nisei, when Aragi talked to Tsukihi, it seemed like she was very much. Um, um, conscious, very much uh, intelligent. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Emotionally intelligent. So mm. it's interesting to see that again when he talks to her about like, am I in love with someone or am I just like lusting after someone? And now, then we realize, oh no, he's just into Hanukkah's boobs, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then that scene, that scene, Jesus Christ! That's again, it, it's a, it's a lot like the toothbrush scene. It's like, why is this here? Where where Suki he just puffs out her chest and say, here. Touch him and see if you like him. And he does. And he does. <laughs> he does. So that's what, the four times now that he's groped his sisters? Pretty much. Not the last time, I'm sure. Oh, it won't be the last time. Um, I also love uh, that later in this conversation, we have Karen come in and uh, Koyomi asks her the same question. And she has a really great quote, and it's like, uh, where he, he's asking her, like, how do you, how can you actually tell if you're in love with someone and not just lusting after them? And the response that she gives very succinctly is, if, if you want to make babies with them, you are in love with them. It's that simple. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that sounds really funny to say out loud, but it's kind of true. Like, if you're with I someone, love how pragmatic and them, she is, and you look at them and you're like, I want to have babies with you. You're probably in love with that person. Just great characterization for both sisters. Because, again, like, Tsuki goes to an entire spiel of, you just feel something, you feel something, and, like, that feeling develops into something. Then Karen's like, oh, you just want to fuck him. Like, yeah. <laughs> you want to make babies. It's yeah. great. I, lo- I love that that piece of dialogue about both of them. Yeah, and I also love how, like, the, the one with Tsukihi, it, it, it's very whimsical and very, I, I would say very childish. It's a very childish... Um, I, I say that almost um, condescendingly, but um, a very naive way to look at love. Naive, yeah. Um, and whereas Karen, who is not that much older than Tsukihi, in fact, I think she's only like a year or so older than Tsukihi, uh, just comes in and says very succinctly, you want to fuck him and impregnate him? You're in love. <laughs> it's great. It's really, really good. But yeah, and it goes back to that question we talked about and back in the Bake episode, I think, about, like, how the show, it seemed like, sort of, is, like, the story as a whole position, Hanukkah is, like, Aragi's love interest to some extent, but then this, like, whole arc that we're now uh, discovering is pretty much why that doesn't happen, why he might have some feelings for her, but it is not love at all. And I, I like that this is the what the story explores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So as he's leaving um, and he's walking around, he actually meets Hanakawa and um, he notices something about her, that she has a a rather sizable bandage across her cheek. 
and uh, he oh kind of boy puts, here we go yeah I know he kind of puts two and two together after uh, after talking to her for a bit and um, realizes that it's uh, her family specifically her father uh, quote I, I use that in, in air quotes I know you can't see it but um, her her father hit her yeah I mean later on we sort of get a we do see that but her family situation is is wild because her parents are not her biological parents. It's something along the lines of her father died and her mother committed suicide, so she was sort of like in between. Like she's now like under the care of like this couple who were sort of married to each other and something like I don't know what, but they are not the, the, her biological parents. Yeah, uh, to 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 borrow a phrase, uh, her family situation is not ideal. <laughs> No, nope. um, to say the least. Um, I again, not to give the parents, her parents, again, big air quotes, parents, um, any benefit of the doubt. Like, there's still no reason to hit your child or the person you're, you know, looking no, after. No, obviously. But, um, obviously. But something also that happens during this is Hanakawa makes of or makes Koyomi promise not to tell anyone about what's going on. And it gives no, you like yeah. a really good insight into Hanakawa. Like she's definitely trying to put up this front that she's a better, or she's in a better situation than she's in. And I feel yeah. like there's there's a lot of victims of domestic abuse that do that. Sort of trying to put that that facade of everything is fine, everything is normal, like it's all okay. Yeah, like it, a mask of normality. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. And uh, they even talk about Lady in the Dark, but yeah, uh, that's very, very, yeah. Yeah, agreed. and I, I feel like that's it's one of the instances of the Monogatari series being very real, for lack of a better word. Like I, I feel like you see this a lot in domestic abuse victims, and it, and it's played very straight. Like even when when this conversation is happening, you don't get a whole lot of the Monogatari like craziness. Like this, mm-hmm. this conversation is played really straight. It's almost as if like um, the director Akiki Shimbo is like, "All right, as much as I love doing all this crazy shit, this is a serious situation, and you need to pay attention to it." Yeah, like the show knows how to like take stuff, like treat stuff in like good taste, even when it's like mm-hmm. really dark subject matter, like yeah. domestic abuse. Um, yeah. Um, which anyway, is pro- yeah. props to it for that by the way because mm-hmm. just playing domestic abuse for what it is a terrible thing for uh, sure but anyway um so that's kind of how this episode ends like they're kind of i also love that again monogatari going back to its craziness where araragi is in his head <laughs> he's like because hanakawa is like well, i'll do anything you want if you just don't talk about it and he's like "Ooh, how can i exploit this <laughs> Like in his head, he's going through all these situations where it's like, "Ooh, I can just like bend her over right now." I can do all this type of crazy shit, but he won't. He won't do it. Yeah, and like you can see that he's trying to get himself to do it, but deep down, he knows he won't do it. (laughs) So then he just heals her uh, wound on her cheek. Yeah, nice. he just heals the wound on his cheek. And if, <laughs> I like how he describes it. Originally, he was going to take the, the bandage off and just lick her face. And he's like, <laughs> and then afterwards, he's like, no, I was too much of a pussy to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, we have a nice conversation between Araragi and uh, Oshino. Meme. 
Yeah. Uh, oh wait, but before that, actually, there's something else. Uh, yes, we 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 get to see the beginning of Shinobu's obsession with donuts in episode two. No, she is still silent. She's not talking to Aragi after whatever happened back in Kizu. But mm. the moment she sees the donuts, she's like, "Hmm, <laughs> I'm gonna grab some of those." You know, and it's funny that you know when I originally watched this, obviously I hadn't seen Kizu yet. In fact, when I originally watched this, Kizu wasn't even out yet. Um, mm. And it's it's interesting going back and seeing this scene after having seen the events of Kizumonogatari and knowing why Shinobu is so quiet about this. Um, at, at, when yeah. I first watched this, I, I couldn't really fathom why. Uh, I mean, I, the characters talk about her being quiet about, you know, the events that happened before. But it's like, I was kept wondering, like, what happened? What, what must have been so bad that keeps her from talking? Because obviously she goes on to talk a lot in later parts. Um. But it got me really interested to know more about the these events that were eventually detailed in Kizumonogatari. Um and it, oh, it's yeah. it's interesting going back now and seeing these events after having seen Kizu. Yeah, for sure. It's very, very interesting to piece that together. Mm. Um but yeah, I, I also love that scene where she just grabs the donut box and just inhales the donuts. <laughs> it's like fucking Kirby. I exactly like Kirby. Oh, and also the um, <laughs> the damn uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls reference, <laughs> where he, where um, Koyomi throws her off her and she hits the thing. It, it just literally turns into Powerpuff Girls art style. Oh, I didn't realize that's the reference. Yeah, um, I mean, again, Monogatari has many references, not only to things that are Japanese, but things that are Western too. Um. Yeah. Um so after the whole thing with Shinobu and the donuts, he goes to Meme and um he does keep his promise to his credit. Um he doesn't actually talk about Hanakawa, but he talks about the fact that while they were out and about and they were, you know, having this conversation, Hanaka Hanakawa uh found a dead white cat and buried it. Now, mm. for anyone who's seen Bakimonogatari before this, a white cat might sound very familiar. Yeah, and then he goes into this whole spiel of like, wait a minute, that's that's not right. It's like that's a that's a bit worrying. Um, yeah, I, I love the, I love the third to... degree that uh, yeah. that Oshino gives him when he mentions the dead white cat too. He's like gives him to twenty questions mode. Like, where was it? What did it do? What was it? What did it look like? <laughs> Were his eyes open? <laughs> uh, but then yeah, Meme asks Aradagi to go check on Hanakawa because he suspects. Um, that he knows what might be happening now. And that is when we first meet the... Well, we don't first meet him, but it's when Aradagi first meets the Sawari cat, who would eventually become Black Hanakawa. I like the how it's portrayed, how she attacks... Uh, because when he arrives, he, meet, he meets her and he sees like these bodies laying around. And then she reveals, oh yeah, it's her parents that she attacked. And yeah. I like how it's portrayed as like these like sort of very like just black things that are around her, you know, very I don't know how to describe this type of color they use to depict them. But it's it's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a I I equate the like the color palette in that scene to very much an art deco style, even though it's not an art deco like art style. It's not a watercolor the color palette right? is very art deco. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and I love the fact that um, in this um, 
in the in this scene where you actually see her, her parents getting attacked it's like she just tosses the parents around like yeah fuck this <laughs> fuck this <laughs> fuck this baggage i don't care what to do with them and um, then just also, usual just she to, just fucks him up <laughs> yeah props to uh the voice actor yui horie too for going back and forth between hanakawa and the and black hanakawa too just it, so seamlessly yeah, it's like a switch. It's 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 insane how she goes back between the two voices. Even later on in the arc, how she goes back and forth between the two voices, and you in- immediately notice like which one is who. Mm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this fight, more or less, um, <clears throat> that that occurs after uh, Koyomi confronts Black Hanakawa. Um, it's also worth noting that they don't actually call her Black Hanakawa until the end of this arc. It's just that we know as viewers that this oddity is called Black Hanakawa. Um, but Koyomi himself gets really, really badly hurt um, and passes out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't die because he's still got yeah. his vampire powers. Um, but he wakes up at the, at the, the cram school and Shinobu's been taking care of him all through the night. Which again, we still don't know what happened before that would lead to that this type of weird relationship between the two. Um, yeah. But it's just heavily implied that something was off. It's, um, it's also I love how at first he's like, at first he's like, oh yeah, she's just like using me to try and keep herself alive, and Oshina's like, no, no, like no, there's more there. Uh, but like, <laughs> until it's actually explained later, um, it, it's it's heavily implied just by how they react to each other that they they don't particularly like each other, but they realize they need each other. Yeah. Um, and that's how their relationship kind of plays out. I feel like as the series goes on, they develop this great affinity for each other because of how like symbiotic their relationship is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's really interesting watching that develop. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as the Monogatari series goes on. Um, yeah. But there's also this great dialogue that happens between both Koyomi and Emeoshino about, you know, the nature of the Suwari cat and what it can do and how dangerous it is. Um, I love the, the that animation part where it's like this scroll opening up is just showing that old like story of the the spirit and how it's portrayed with that very like classical uh, Japanese artwork. It, it looks mm. amazing. Yeah, it's like very like 15th century Japanese artwork, but it, it mm-hmm. looks great. It looks so good. Uh, and the one thing that comes from this conversation that Meme and Koyomi have is that Meme is like, listen, you probably shouldn't do this. You should probably leave this to me. I'm better at handling oddities than you are. Um, you might yeah, be immortal, but like I, sort I, of I have experience, up like, man. Oh, okay. It's interesting how, I don't know if easily, but it's sort of like, okay, I guess I'll just leave it be. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. He just got his ass handed to him, which happens a lot to Koyomi. Let's be honest, but <laughs> I don't know. It's it's the, it's the first time that Meme's like, no, no, hold on, I got this, I got this. I think this is the only time he sort of has that. Sort it's of it's one of the it's, like, it's one of the few. Yeah. It may actually be the only time. I I don't remember off the top of my head, um, but I think it is definitely one of, if not the only time, he actually takes things into his own hands and is like, I'll take care of this. Because every other because time, even... he's like, he's telling Koyomi, like, this is what you do. This is how you can go mm-hmm. do it. This is like the three different ways you can maybe go about it. And then he leaves it to Koyomi. Because even mentions how he's like always trying to like remain a neutral 
like sort of um, part of any situation they're in. And now mm. it's the first time he's like, no, no, I'll take care of it. You leave it I, be. I, I also, I also like what m- it may be being subtly implied there that um, for Meme, if he gets too emotionally involved in what he's doing, it could actually be dangerous for him. Hmm. I don't know. I've always felt that, that that was a subtle implication in him saying something like that. Like, I probably shouldn't get too involved because it could be dangerous for me and the people involved in it. <laughs> I'll give the show credit for that. The managed to give him so much character while not revealing almost anything about him throughout the entirety of the series which is really yeah. really cool like he has a you you still by the end of by the last time he actually shows up you know very little about him but you still yep. feel like he got a fucking development and that the, the props the, that that's just clearly Nisio Eason's writing on display mm-hmm. yeah but anyway uh, on to episode three um so episode three uh, Koyomi is like, nah, I gotta do something. I can't just sit here and, and sulk. So he um, goes back to school. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing he does is he goes to check on Hanakawa's home, and he realizes mm. that I, I also love this. So he sneaks in through a, a window in the house, right? Um, and, and the we're first thing that's he like does, a being a great Japanese boy, is he takes off his shoes when he's sneaking into someone's house. <laughs> Because that's what you do when you're committing a crime. You be polite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of walks around the house for a little bit. Of course, no one's there. But he realizes that Hanakawa doesn't have a room. Like, she literally just sleeps in the hallway. I love how it's like a very shocking revelation for me. It's like, wait, what the fuck? I I feel like this is a shocking revelation to him in particular because he has always been used to having parents who love and care for him. And, like, mm-hmm. he can't fathom having a home life where um, where your parents don't care at all about you, where they literally treat you like shit all the time. And they couldn't even be bothered to care about your existence. I feel like, I, I hate using this word, but I feel like it, maybe for him, it's like him showing his privilege. <laughs> uh, anyway. I hate using that phrase, I know. Uh, but... Um, I mean, that, then that, just that's, okay, good. Uh, it's like that's how I kind of interpret it. Like, um, it's just he can't fathom this because he, number one, he's never personally experienced it, and he just can't understand why any parent would treat their child like that. I mean, let's re- let's be honest. This is a very very foreign concept to a lot of people. The fact that you don't even have like like a room is like your own personal space for you and only you, right? And the mm. fact that she doesn't have even that the minimum of her own room, it's like kind of okay. What's what the fuck's going on in this family? What's wrong with them? Yeah. So I mean, hell, even in the scummiest <laughs> families, they typically give their children at least a room with a bed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, <laughs> I also love in this episode we get uh, <laughs> we get Sukihi with the fire sisters. <laughs> uh, so he does Again, find out not a really that... good moment for both of them. Yeah, well, he goes back home, uh, Araragi does, and he finds out from Sugihi that there is a fucking giant cat person that's going around town and attacking people. And they're like, all right, the fire assistants have to go investigate this. (laughs) Um, And I I love that it, it takes very little convincing or prodding or charming or anything. Koyomi's like, why don't you sleep with me tonight in my bed? And they're like, and all of right, course, well, we'll immediately cuts to all three of them together. 
Yeah, it immediately cuts to all three of them in bed just sleeping just together. Just a family of perverts, dude. It's, it's It runs into family. That, literally. <laughs> I love that cutaway that in the morning you see both of them in, the, in bed and instead of him it's like just a piece of wood in between them. <laughs> so stupid. Um, but anyway. And then when Koyomi actually goes back to the cram school, he finds out that Oshino got his ass handed to him in the middle of the night. Um, it's it's the first, and I do believe, only time during the Monogatari series where you actually see Oshino yeah, get hurt. Mm-hmm. It's the only um, time we saw him sort of like put up, like actually, what should you call it? Like, actually being put up a fight. Right. Yeah. Like so and, far, we've only seen like seen it like the absolute like be able to do anything, solve any problem. But now it's like, oh, yeah. no, I can't do this one. And as a viewer, you look at that and think, oh shit, because this means that that cat is a very powerful oddity. Because all the other oddities that he's been confronted with so far are ones that he either told you know Koyomi an easy way to to handle it, or he handled it himself. Mm-hmm. And very easily too. Literally, sometimes it's just putting his hand on someone is like, "All right, that's it. You're you're good. Bye bye." Uh, <laughs> uh, but yo, he actually gets fucked up, um, and that that raises the stakes because you, as a viewer, and Koyomi realizes that this is some serious shit. At the same, uh, yes, I agree. But at the same time, it goes back to the issue that is like. It's an issue that this arc has, no matter how you look at it, is that we already know the end of the story. We don't know, like, the emotional, like, end of, like, you know, for the characters, like, where they are at emotionally by the end. But we know how the story ends. So it kind of, that's the that's the main issue with this section, is that we know the end already because we got sort of, like, a brief overview of it back in Bakemonogatari. Right. Yeah, I so I get what you're saying, mm. and I feel like yeah, I think the stakes would have even been higher as as someone who was watching it if this had actually been shown prior to Bakemonogatari. Yeah, it's it's weird because I don't know how they would go about doing it. Like, because you do, it makes more sense to view this part at this section of the entire series because it leads up to the next arc we will talk about in the future. Yeah. Because it gives more context, but it's like it's just an, a problem that this arc will—you just can't get out of this situation. Right. I have I have heard a couple of people describe uh, Neko Black in this way, and the more I think about it, the more I think that they may be right. There's a lot of well, I won't say a lot. I, I've heard like two or three people describe Neko Black as the Halo Reach of the Monogatari series, where <laughs> its biggest issue is you already know what happens going into it. As much as I love it, and again, it just gives more context and it explains, like, the emotional stakes that's, like, especially, like, Aragi's relationship with Hanekawa, and that's all mm. great and good, but the, the main issue is that we know how it ends, it sort of kind of, it, it just lessens the impact and sort of, like, you're watching, it's like, oh, but I already know how it ends, it's like, what's the point? It's kind of an issue. Yeah. Um but I, I definitely think I I one hundred. But I do like it. Don't get me wrong. I do really, yeah. really like it. The one thing story. I love about it in particular is how much context it gives to things that have come before and that will come after. Um, yeah. Particularly yeah. with the very the very next storyline leading into second season, which is going to be Neko Monogatari White, which we'll talk about next time. Um, it's going to be so good. But getting back to this, um, so. Koyomi actually goes back to school. I also love the fact that he goes to Hanakawa's desk, put his puts his head on her desk, and says, "Her boobs sit here." 
<laughs> and he tries and he, he tries to desk. lick the desk and then the, <laughs> the, the the sawari cat just appears right in front of him it's so stupid i love that conversation that they have though and then you find out why she's doing it of course again it's been alluded to previously in the final story arc of bakemonogatari but it's because the cat is there to relieve her stress which hanakawa has built up over time which you would imagine she would living with an abusive with abusive parents yep um and that she's going to keep on doing what she's doing, which is going out and attacking people in the middle of the night until Hanakawa is no longer stressed. Um, and it, it's... Which will take a lot. <laughs> yeah, which is going to take a, a lot. And then I love the, the, the stinging revelation that Koyomi gives her. And he, he's like, uh, so, and then, and then the cat's like, uh, then the master will be good. And then uh, Koyomi's like, Really? Because at the end of the day, that stress is eventually going to come back because where is she going to end up? In the same place she got stressed. Yeah, it's not really solving a problem at all. It'll come it's, back It's a again temporary again solution to a permanent problem. Which, as we know, because we've, we know what it comes after, like this, the problem does come again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, Koyomi is basically telling her, you got to cut off the point of the stress if you're going to actually get rid of the stress yeah attacking all of these people might feel good and it might get rid of the stress temporarily but eventually when she goes back to that home when she goes back to those parents what's going to happen the exact same thing again which we see the the culmination of it the in the final arc of bakemonogatari mm-hmm. um so koyomi was right and um and the cat's like well fuck you and i'm gonna go do it anyway <laughs> Because it's like, it's that whole thing. It's like, it's my nature. It's what I do. Yeah. I can't like, not do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's actually, the, uh, that's a big part of what this whole part is kind of about. It's like, you know, fighting your instincts or fighting your nature. Because, you know, Hanakawa is ha- having to do that because she's having to find a way to deal with stress. Uh, mm-hmm. Koyomi is having to fight his nature of trying to, you know, hook up with her. With Hanakawa, that's actually interesting. I I don't I haven't thought about that, but I do agree. It, it goes for both of them in this arc. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we get to episode four, the final episode of this part. Um, Shinobu becomes a fucking badass loli. <laughs> but that comes later. What do you think about because like we talked about how like sorry to cut you off, but we talked about how like so they talk about the domestic abuse it's very heavy but then Oshino is like talking about well I kind of understand where they come from and Araki is like what are you what are you talking about and mm-hmm. he's like well she's putting up this facade of like being right being this like like just normal and righteous person and it kind of it will rub you the wrong way when you see that on a daily basis right yeah I, I definitely 100% understand that I feel like I don't know I if I like agree if with that though. That I, seems I, I'm very, not saying very I agree harsh. with it. I'm saying I understand it though, because like I feel like if you were around someone day in and day out that was mm-hmm. always like righteous, and especially if they were self righteous, um, if they were constantly you know trying to one up you with their intelligence, um, even if it was not intentional, um, I can understand how that would be very frustrating to be around that person, especially if it's someone that you aren't like 
actually related to yeah yeah because i yeah if it, if because it's, it's, if it's already your, alienated from them if yeah. it's someone in your family you just kind of grin and bear it because like it's family right uh, you just you just deal with it uh but if family. it's someone who you're not even related to or you know even if you are related to him very distantly uh you just like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah um no and it's not it's not right quote unquote it, it's not it's not the correct you, way to handle it, it the way that their her parents are doing it. But I can understand no. the frustration that that would be, mm-hmm. you know, having someone in your house that's constantly like that. It's constantly trying to show you up. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but it is interesting. The interesting, like the that they do bring up this like angle of the story, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, then like, I really get some big sword. <laughs> well, you know, and then Koyomi just say, just like being like, you might be right, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's still wrong. Uh but yeah, that that sword though. The fuck that sword's already cool. It's big. It's very big. Um, <laughs> but no, um But then I also we love the, the plan. Con- hmm? I love the plan that Aradagi yeah, comes up with so for all good. this too. So I mean you kind of find out after the fact with during the fight, but um so his plan is he's gonna actually swallow the sword, right? And it's going to be inside his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, he's a vampire, so his body should theoretically be able to take it. Right. Um, and he's going to actually lure Black Hanakawa into, well, attacking him, basically. Um, yeah, he pretty much antagonizes her to just kill him. Yeah, and so he actually texts Hanakawa saying that, help, help, I'm being attacked, please. Um, I love how then, they show that how with the timer like like going on and on and how like thirty minutes later boom she just busts through the the wall and attacks him. It's I like, know what, right? what's wrong. Uh, I also love that clearly I think he was expecting to at least get out of the cram school and fight in the open and he's kind of surprised when she busts through the wall. I thought he was like intentionally luring her into the cram school, just to a different I, part of it. I feel like he was trying to get at least outside of the cram school. I don't think he mm. actually expected to be fighting inside the school. Gotcha. Because, like, he actually looked shocked when she bust through the wall. It's like, bitch, I was trying to get outside. <laughs> um, it's so it's so good, though, how they present it. Now it's like, it just it looks great. It's I also really like just how much Koyomi is goading her into attacking him. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Like, it's trying really hard. Like, by the end of it, it's like, no, I actually hate you. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's really good. Yeah, and just all the, the the vileness that he's spitting at her. And she, you can see that she's getting madder and madder because the hair just keeps standing up higher and higher. <laughs> also, they I sort of, like, little. show how the lines are blurred between her and Black Anakawa. Like, mm. sometimes it's her, sometimes it's not her. It's... It's cool because you you hear it in her voice, but they also show it with her eyelids, right? Yes. It's really cool. Uh, so anyway, she actually finally does attack him, and then uh, uh, Koyomi's plan just kind of goes as expected. She's he's essentially eviscerated. He's he's cut in half. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's hit by the sword. <laughs> Koyomi's just fucked up against a wall, bleeding out. Um, in very graphic. Uh, it's very, very graphic. <laughs> yes, blood everywhere. Um, it's very reminiscent of how he finds um, Shinobu in Kizu, actually. The way that the blood is just kind of around him. That's right. Actually, that's right. Didn't think um, about it. And then, like, as he's 
as he's kind of just up against the wall bleeding out and he's looking at the the cat like writhing in pain in front of him um koyomi just like he feels like content he feels like he's dying uh but he seems mm-hmm. to be very content in that his last act was that he saved hanakawa um but he doesn't it doesn't seem to think that the the cat is going to try and take over completely, which is what she tries to do. She's trying to take over By Hanakawa's yeah. body entirely. Like th- there will be no Hanakawa afterwards. It'll just be black Hanakawa. Um, She's technically white, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then Shinobu arrives and becomes the badass lily we need her to be. <laughs> and then she pretty much just solves everything. And it's all what, just done until yeah. Bake, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So Shinobu just comes in. I know a lot of people will claim that that was like a Deus Ex Machina, but I think the whole nah, point was. I think to... it's, yeah. I think it's definitely like we know. Like she's there. There, it's it totally makes sense that she would do it. Like she saved him earlier this arc. I don't know why people think it's like sort of like a Deus Ex Machina. I well, I mean, I thought the whole point was of of Koyomi's plan was even if he couldn't outright kill her with the sword, the idea mm-hmm. was to um, to break Black Hanakawa down and then mm. have Shinobu deal the finishing blow. That was what I always thought the plan was. It's just, it wasn't entirely revealed think so? to the audience. Because he looked surprised, surprised when she arrives. I don't know. Either way, I don't feel like mm. it's a deus ex machina, even though some people do claim it is. Yeah. Either also, what, whether speaks. it was always planned to end that way, or if Shinobu realized what was going on, it's like, all right, I'll finish this mm. off. Um, yeah. But anyway, the whole aftermath of this is since um, since Shinobu essentially bit Hanakawa and sucked all of it out of the black <laughs> neko out. Um, she doesn't remember anything. She doesn't remember a damn thing, um, and that's probably for the best. <laughs> Uh, Koyomi uh, also yeah, has this much. realization that no, I was never really in love with her. Um, I was just in lust. But can you blame him? I mean, look at her tits, man. I love. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, I won't deny. <laughs> I mean, she looks good in fucking pajamas. Just saying. But then the final cherry on top is actually seeing Hitagi at the end. He directly connects to. Bake, which is really really cool yeah um like yeah so the final scene of this when everything is wrapped up um as the credits are rolling like the actual final shot you see is hitagi standing at the top of the stairs which is the mm-hmm. beginning of Bake monogatari like what a great sense of continuity like that's yeah. how you know this is what leads into that um also shows you why koyomi was late that day of school <laughs> Ah, that's right. I didn't think about that. Actually, yeah. The reason the reason he was running and like trying to get to school as fast as he could and was running up those stairs was because he was late. Huh. Because of what happened the night before. I didn't even think about it until now. That's it. That's cool. Yeah, what what As a, what we get great... deeper and deeper into the show, like the whole time will be weirder and weirder, but it's still like I'll give them credit. Like it does connect at the end, which is really, really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, and so that is the story of, of Neko Monogatari Black. Um, so what are your final thoughts about uh, Neko Black, Natai? 
it's it's great. It's really really good. I like the more I talk about it and, and think about it, I do appreciate more like the themes it delves into and like just fleshing out more the characters we know so far. Yeah. It just as we talked about earlier, it just it has that issue of okay, we know the overarching story of this whole arc. We know like the beats sort of, sort of somewhat. And so it just holds it back from being one of my favorite parts of the show because every time I go back to it, I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's fine. Uh, but no, it is really, really good. It just has this one issue that I just can't escape from it. But aside from that, like, I love the interactions. I love, like, the whole theme of and the relationship between Aragi and Anikawa. It's really, really good. And, mm. yeah, it's it's great. It's just not one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with just about everything you said. Um, it, it's certainly not one of my favorite what parts of the you? Monogatari series. However, I definitely feel like this is an overlooked part of the Monogatari series. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people just kind of dismiss this as like, you know, it, it's just context. It's just filler, uh, more or less. Um, and it showed us things that would have been way easier and shorter to just tell us about. Or some of the stuff could have been done as flashbacks during Bakke Monogatari. And mm. yeah, it could have been done that way. But no, I, I still appreciate this for what it does. And it gives a lot of context, as we mentioned, to what comes next in um, yeah. Neko Monogatari White, which is the very first part of second season. Which is great because that one is one of my favorite arcs. So I'm really excited to get into yeah. that next time. It's definitely one of my favorite arcs too. I feel like without Neko Black, I think going into Neko White, I feel like it would you would have lost something. It would have lost. Yeah, it is essential. Of, you need to watch it. Like yeah, it's I, it's made for a reason. Like it exists yeah, for a reason. I, I definitely feel like if you didn't have one, then Neko White wouldn't have been quite as impactful as it is. Um. But we'll definitely be talking about that uh, next time. Um, but yeah, that's that's Neko Monogatari Black, everyone. I love um, how we thought it's gonna be a shorter episode, but it was like ten minutes shorter or something like that. I know, like we—it's it, four episodes. <laughs> we spent forty-five minutes talking about four episodes. Um, yeah. This is this is what the Monogatari series. Is. This is why you and I did this because we love talking about the Monogatari series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I look forward. My my absolute favorite part of the Monogatari series is coming up um, in second it's going season. To be so, so it's good. got some, there are some really good story arcs in second season, and I cannot wait to talk about them. And of course, we will be coming back to Kizu Monogatari eventually. But like I said in the beginning, we are doing a broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, a broadcast version of this uh, the sequence that we're doing. So, but for next time, we're gonna be doing the first half of second season, right? Well, I was thinking about that. We might want to separate second season into three parts instead of two. Mm, we'll we'll <laughs> figure it out. Seeing as we just spent 45 minutes talking about four episodes. <laughs> I'm just saying. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Yes. Um, but yeah, that is Nekomonogatari Black. Thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club, After Dark, on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. Check out our merch store and our affiliate links as well. Any purchases you make there do really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Natai. Bye. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that.